Awesome to have Elliot Feldman with us out of the Pacific Northwest. Really a great example of someone taking the initiative, getting inside of a system, and making some really positive change for the individuals that are being treated. This is Pain Refrain. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Pain Reframed. Greatly appreciate Elliot setting an example that everybody else can follow. Elliot is a physical therapist up in Seattle working for a large hospital system where he's been able to really make some nice inroads working with the physicians, working with the front office staff to really change the conversation and the actual system's delivery on how individuals who are in pain are managed. Elliot, man, thanks for joining us. If you don't mind kind of giving just some background, man, of where you are right now in the country, kind of what you're doing, and then we'll just jump in and ask you and pepper you with a whole bunch of questions. My background, I'm in Seattle, Washington. I've been treating out here for about eight years settled into a big organization, a big state institution. I'm in a satellite clinic, so I'm not in a hospital-based, but outpatient type work. Just been trying to do my best in spreading some good word and treating good patients and trying to incorporate a lot of that pain science in there too. What sparked your interest, man, in going the pain science route? I mean, what was it that got you going and, and what have you done as far as training and stuff to get yourself armed up to be in that space? I was manual therapy trained. I, I came out of, you know, kind of doing the whole Stanley Paris training, fine-tuned, knit and gritty, mechanical defaults or dysfunctions going on. And I just remember one day kind of waking up, realizing that, you know, I wasn't really sensing anything. I thought I had these like magical hands that I could feel and know what I'm doing. And I felt a little lost. Around the same time, my wife, who's a physical therapist, Ellie Summers, uh, she started to research a little bit of the pain science stuff got super excited about it because it seemed to fit in a little bit with how we understand our own body physically, how we exercise, have been pushing ourselves and injuring ourselves and coming out of it just kind of with a different mindset. So we jumped in, you know, the, the easy part was kind of going on MedBridge. I don't know if you guys know that company, but uh, Adrian Lowe has got a really great segment on, on there. Started off with kind of listening to him Dove in with EP3, so Laura Mill and uh, David Butler and uh, Mark Jensen were, were in Seattle. And that was a weekend-long course. Lots of people in that course. Super fun. And I, I think it really kind of just opened my eyes to the information, really. And then once the information sort of settled in, it was full bore. I, I don't think I've looked back since. As this time period happens and you're kind of in the clinic, you said in a large system, how did you start to then integrate that into your current health system? That's been the struggle. I think that's where I've sort of felt the divide of the medical system the most. You know, maybe like all naive PTs or young PTs, I'll still put myself in that category. Once I started treating patients and they, they started getting better really quickly and going back to the doctors that are in the system saying like, oh, oh man, Elliot's the guy, you know, he's really helping me out. He's changed my frame set about what pain is that you know, I would get a little bit of this like Pied Piper following. You would get the doctors to kind of understand that you're treating people differently. You're making them think a little bit differently about what's going on. And then you'd kind of get a little bit of that follow through. Unfortunately, I think the, the way I've sort of had to integrate it into the system is a little bit of being a, a renegade. Mm -hmm. I tend to not shy away from really with the patient generally because it, 
it's a little bit harder to get in the face of a doctor, even though I'm essentially treat next to him, like, like if it were my living room to my bedroom. But I, with my patients, I tend to just challenge all the information. So if, if they come into me and they, they say a bunch of crazy stuff about OA in their knee, and that's exactly why they've had pain for 30 years since being 16, I tend to just get right in their, not in their face, I shouldn't say it that way, but my hope is that that message goes back uh, and challenges the doctors and their situation. Then I try to get in and sort of say, hey, look, these with patients in mind, two doctors, if I get the chance, I think this is being done wrong. So much of where we're at has been propagated by the current delivery models of healthcare. So I'm right. just really curious, you know, outside of the patient to patient perspective, if there is any traction being gained in these large systems that are really trained on doing more to people than doing less. Yes. We do have a center for pain relief that's a part of our large organization. There's been an initiative in Washington State called the Bree Collaborative that was set out by the legislation to change certain aspects of our healthcare and, and low back pain treatment and uh, imaging is a big part of that. And so it's putting pressure down um, through systems, whether it be like a large state institution like mine or uh, private practice to start rethinking how we're giving models. So under the, the guise of state policy, you know, Washington is starting to kind of take a look at this a little bit differently. I'm also involved in a low back pain group that's full of primarily just physicians and then a couple of administrative physical therapists who aren't on the ground treating to try to kind of address it, there's kind of an interesting thing going on. So a lot of what's been happening with, with this group, to get into that group was fairly difficult to be a PT that's not an administrative person, a clinical practitioner, to sit down with these people. And I wrote a white paper that was about two pages, and it took a lot to get to two pages. I had it be like five pages on what the low back pain treatment problem is kind of in America, but also in Washington itself. What are the potential solutions and, and what would we see in a system like ours that would show us a better outcome? And in that paper, I, I, I gave it to somebody and then they passed it to another person. And eventually I got asked to be in this group. Yeah, man, that makes me excited it, that on a couple of levels, I think you hit that idea that often the people that are making these decisions about how better to treat individuals in persistent pain are not actually treating people in persistent pain. And I just think, you know, by sheer force, you, you, you push yourself into places that for better or worse, that's how the pathways get determined, you know, top-down approach. And where we're trying to go with this whole podcast is this idea that this groundswell of the bottom up to just force change. And I think you've just given us a great example of how in a large system, you know, one voice consistently, persistently getting to a, a seat at the table. Have you felt like change has happened quickly, slowly? Oh, it's like uh, trying to turn the Titanic away from an iceberg. It's pretty slow going. Unfortunately, because of the problem being so broad, I feel like what happened is they attached to the smallest part of the problem. Instead of sort of seeing like, hey, the way we're filtering low back pain patients through the system is really the root of the issue here. You know, are, we're 
still requiring, even though we have direct access in Washington, we're still requiring most patients that try to come see me to have a referral beforehand with really no reason. So that's one of the main frustrating parts. There's these big pieces of the pie. And, you know, we have actually our our neighbors, Virginia Mason, who's a hospital that's close by, they have, they've been written up in the news for low back pain patients and the cost savings and the outcome benefits of all this stuff. And I feel like we have an example just next door and we're not sort of paying attention. So uh, instead, what they did, instead of seeing those, they just attached to, well, over-imaging is the problem here. So mm-hmm. how do we build in stop gaps and things just to make over-imaging not the problem? And I do feel intimidated in that meeting. And so raising my hand has been kind of a, a thing that I've been working on with my own self to sort of say, hey, no, I think we need to think broader. I think we need to think broader. It's been a challenge, but yeah, it's it's definitely slow going. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It was mentioned that you're doing some presentations to physicians. I mean, have you found, have you been able to kind of get in and get a captive audience with some of the medical doctors and practitioners in your group to be able to give them more in-depth information on kind of how all this stuff works at the at the real human level? Yeah. So we have grand rounds at university. Essentially, it's a bit of an open lunchtime based presentation thing. And uh, I hired a really great practitioner, Tasha Parman. When she came in, she came in with a lot of fire and she was just like, let's raise our hand. I thought I had been turned down before for that doing a grand rounds, which I think demoralized me a big bit at that time. And then when she came in with that fire, we just raised our hand, put pressure down, uh, emailed. It took a couple emails, a little bit of coordinating. We ended up getting the grand rounds, which was awesome. So that was a bit of a cascading event too. Once we sort of sat down, we, we did our presentation on words matter or language matters. We, we stated our bias that, you know, we're PTs, so we get people after their language is sort of rooted in persistent pain issues. But we sort of talked a lot about how we think things are done wrong and really the messaging and how that adds to persistent pain. And we got challenged pretty hard in the middle of the thing by a doctor who's a neurologist. And it was kind of fun. And once we did, you know, we got contacted by the nursing coordinator who they're having, because we're like one of the number one hospitals for nursing education. And so they're having this big conference and we're invited to give that same speech there. We got contacted by the center of pain relief by a couple of the doctors and now they know us by name and they're referring persistent pain patients to us specifically. Raising your hand and, and kind of being willing to sort of, a presentation is a nice way to do it, but being willing to sort of yeah, say, hey, look, this is how it should be different. Um, and we took a clear stance in that presentation. It wasn't, it was definitely not sugarcoated. It was, hey, look, what you're saying to patients is making them worse. Where we've talked a lot on the, the podcast about how we need to create the new tribe. The new tribe of, of healthcare providers actually accepts the fact that we've been actively harming people and that there's a better way forward and not defending our old positions. And that new tribe may include physicians, it may not, but it's it's nurse practitioners, it's PAs, it's alternative medicine providers, it's a it's a tribe of people that buy into the fact that the model was seriously flawed about how we view pain. And that's why I'm really excited to hear what you said, that follow on uh, with the, the the nursing group. Again, getting back to this art of caring and listening, which was at the really at the heart of the nursing profession as well. And they've been pulled dramatically away from their their best skill set. Yeah, definitely. 
some of the best feedback we got was actually from a couple of schedulers. And these are outstanding people that I work really closely with because I also do pelvic health and we're limited by room. So our, our schedulers have been having to juggle like patients like crazy. They were saying like how our presentation made them reflect on the words that they use when they're checking in. Even the subtle changes in the language that they might have, being aware of maybe when you're not in the best mood, right? And trying to sort of create that more positive experience from even the door. Boy, that that is so fun to hear that. I know uh, Adrian Lowe and ISPI, they literally have courses for the front desk and scheduling staff. And at Colorado Motion, all of our first impression specialists, if you will, have gone through that because and just how powerful it is from the moment someone enters the system to have a, a kind, positive voice, a voice that's not dialing up the bad language of, of, of we're broken. So I think... That that's a exciting yeah. thing to see. It'd be interesting if you could get them to uh, kind of transfer that across some of their colleagues in the organization. Yeah, we have a very interesting scheduling system, and, and it includes a center that's off site that's like two hundred and some odd people. I would love to just get in those people's ears. <laughs> Elliot, you know when you look at the whole system, I mean, first of all, man, kudos to you, and I, I hope the listeners are, are taking away that. You identified the problem. You had that internal locus of control, man. You wrote that paper. You got that in there. You got in the group. You brought somebody else on who had fire. You guys raised your hand. And all of a sudden, here you are presenting to the group. There's going to be some some back and forth, some challenges. I mean, you're, you're bucking an old trend and bringing up new concepts. But the outlay of that was a lot of great conversations, right? Front office interacting with human beings in a more psychologically informed way. And ultimately really you getting better access to patients in a better way. And that is a, a monster victory. So I guess the first thing I want to say is thanks for the incredible effort. And, you know, man, just thanks for, for doing, because we, we often hear about folks saying, well, I wish, and I wish, and this, but as opposed to saying, well, yeah, I wish, and I'm going to write this paper up and see what happens. It's incredible where the sequela of that go, because like you said, man, there's pressure coming down. Like people know this thing has to change, right? And what there isn't enough of is people raising their hand and saying, hey, you know, if that's your guys' priority, we have some just key information that can help to begin that shift. I guess what I would be curious, Elliot, now from your perspective, in that system, like you said, the Virginia Mason model, you know, got published in Wall Street Journal and created some really awesome press about maybe a different way to route folks through the system. But the issue is anytime anything really blows up and gets, and gets widely read, people do tend to anchor on one aspect of it. So as you're in that system and you're looking around and you see all these issues, so people are getting over-imaged, right? People are probably getting over-prescribed. There is too much of a delay to direct access, right? There, there's psychologically ill-informed language being utilized. Man, where do you think you can have make the biggest change going forward? So you've kind of got your foot in the door now. You've got some good dialogue going. Where do you think the biggest problems are and that you're like, God, if I could just budge that needle, so many people would be better served? I view access as the needle that needs to budge. In our, if, if in our system, we made PTs the ones that saw these patients. So low back pain is just an easy example because it, I think it's the most over-medicalized thing we have or thing that we treat. I, I feel if you make PTs, PTs that are smart, PTs that are using patient-first language and people that don't sort of cause harm, and you make them see these people first, you allow the triage to happen through the PT and you allow us the sort of open window to really manage them 
on where they go if it's not our, our problem or it's too intense for us to treat, then you really knock out all these problems. You're going to get the majority of people coming through the system that are are going to be managed well. And so the even the option of imaging, the option of medication just won't come through for the majority of people that are there. And um, they're going to get solid language. They're going to get solid understanding that their body is amazing, adaptable, and not going to crumble and fray and break apart like cloth, like that NPR article yesterday. That's the needle. That's the biggest change. And that's the hardest change because there's a lot of things at stake. You know, when I have conversations with the, the quote unquote spine guy, when you present him with all the information showing that the way he's treating is essentially old and not evidence-based, he says, well, comes down to money. You know, what do you do when you take all that money out of the MRI machine? What do you do when you take all that money out of the prescriptions that we sell down the hall or the injections? You know, what do we, what does the system do if there's no money from low back pain? Is essentially the answer I get. I, I don't know how to change that aspect of it. Um, that's an aspect I'm I'm curious uh, if someone's got good language that I can use. But I think if we just sort of let us PTs, smart PTs, make that first entry in, then we we really do get rid of a lot of it. You know, Elliot, two thoughts come to mind. Number one, we make it more complicated than it is because where you start is where you end up. We say that, but it's so true. You know, if you start with a provider that is empowering, low level, and whose main job is to keep you away from harm's way, you spend a lot less money and you have better outcomes. So that's really a pretty easy solution. The solution actually is not complicated. However, you hit the nail on the head. The system is incentivized to do more to folks. And we've had David Hans come on from your region, a highly respected spine surgeon who, you know, stated we are actively harming these patients. And to me, that's stunning. And followed up by your colleague who says, you know, yeah, but what happens when that goes away? Yeah. So it's almost, I guess it's probably a comment that I think these types of conversations get to the heart of the problem that we need to continue to say. The solution is easy. The way the payment for the solution is where the problem is. The solution is actually cheaper. Imagine that. You have a solution that's actually cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) It's the gold mine. (laughs) Yeah. And that's where I do believe that much like, you know, my hope lies in where we saw Jeff Bezos and Warren Buffett and, you know, these mega companies saying, you know what, we we think we can deliver a better product to businesses that breaks it up and, you know, delivers value versus volume. I would just encourage you to have those continued conversations and people are going to have to to move or it will crumble. The system will crumble underneath them. I'm, I'm putting it out to all your listeners. If anybody has Jeff Bezos' email, I was going to send him my white paper and hope that he tagged on. Well, definitely reach out to him on Twitter. I have and with okay. a picture of the picture of your white paper on there. 
Twitter is an amazing tool, that's for sure. You know, we, we talk a lot about the challenges of getting our foot in the door, and no doubt those are significant. As you've been working to change the way that that pain is managed in this large system um, that has, you know, pressures coming from every angle, what gives you hope, man? What makes you think, you know, what we're doing here, you know, what Tosh and I are doing, what the group is doing is going to have some enduring benefit. What are some of the signs and symptoms um, of change that you're seeing in the deck? So I, I struggle a lot. So I'm going to start off by by not being positive and then maybe move to being a bit positive about it. <laughs> that sounds good. We'll crescendo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, I'm trying to Mozart. One of the struggles, I think, when I adopted this, so, and I think one of the things and maybe the reason why Sarah offered my name up is I, I'm a bit full bore on this. You know, I'm, I'm full bore on making sure people understand bad language, language that makes them feel or hurt more or steps in the system that were unnecessary or didn't tell us any valuable information. Like I, I tried to bite my tongue early thinking there was this skilled way of making sure some people got the information and others didn't. And uh, I just sort of threw my hands up in the air and said, I, I can't bite my tongue. I'm just going to full bore with every patient, make sure every person I talk to, make sure that they understand where, where my head's at. It, it must be just evangelical thought processes, but and when I started doing that, I, I felt like I was out on a limb. And I'm pretty sure most people who have started to think differently to be in this new tribe of trying to acknowledge that we've had bad influence too, is that you get looked at differently, um, especially by your own people. I treat around people that look at me diff- differently. I also am their supervisor, so it's a little odd scenario. And so feeling on your own is, is a challenge. It's a part of the challenge that I think makes people fall back into the old system and start to work and describe things the way they used to. So that being out on a limb was what I initially struggled with the most. I was lucky that, again, my wife, Ellie Summers, has been doing this as well. So I've, I've had a buddy at home to kind of keep me pumped up. You know, once I got a fellow person in on my system, Tasha, and then I also trained uh, a PTA of ours to start doing similar language with our patient just seeing that we now are being emailed and sending being sent people with really aggressive persistent pain but directly to us you know they're not sending referrals saying pt like we're a medication you know they're not saying four or six weeks trial of pt they're saying you got to go see these two people they're the people that are going to get you better and that, that i think is like the shining star is to be referred to not as a medication, not as a trial, but as a practitioner, as a doctor that's going to treat you, I think is the the thing that's just got me jazzed. I think that's the thing that's really got me going. Dude, that's fantastic. That that message, I hope, just resonates with everybody who's feeling a bit stuck. You can either sit there and feel stuck or you can work on taking the first step. And it's incredible to hear what what you guys have been able to do. And it's great. You guys kind of have this group of fireballs up there, you know, with Sarah and, and Tasha and, and yourself and Ellie and, and having great courses. I know, I know Entropy West is doing things now at the clinic, like good for you guys. I mean, those are the kind of, you know, banding together in those cultures that give everyone around something else to grab onto because someone's got to go first. Like that's the one thing we try to encourage a lot is in any given region, somebody's got to go first. But once somebody comes out of the gate, then hopefully everybody else around is going to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to go jump on that. It's going in the right direction. Finally, I'm going to jump on that. So huge kudos to you guys for kind of coming out of the gates. Yeah, I guess uh, I like the word tribe. You know, I, I think in the Seattle tribe, we're, 
we're starting to get things moving. And you know, what's a, a big helpful for that too is PT pub night. We've had some really tough conversations at those, but you know, over a beer, you can definitely open up a little bit. <laughs> so true, Elliot. And I, you know, I really think as we begin to bring in more members and I think it, the, the younger group of healthcare providers we know are frustrated with the system. We're recruiting members to say, you know, that are frustrated to say there is a better way. You know, the science has shown a better way. Kudos and encouragement to continue to grow that group, make a difference and be of some use out there in Washington. Thank you. I appreciate that. Can you um, leave your calling card a bit here? Can you let folks know where they can track you, where they can find you and just engage with you? I mean, the easiest way to get in touch with me is really just through my email. It's going to be embarrassing to put my email up here, but efeldmansurf at gmail. My Twitter handle is at, at efeldmansurf as well. So Facebook is always an easy place for me. Uh, I like to kind of put things up there. Like right right now I'm, I'm looking at that NPR article that came out yesterday and I've just copied and pasted it and I'm adding a bunch of research that sort of debunks all the crazy conclusive statements they put in there. So hopefully I'll have that up there soon. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for the time, Elliot, this morning. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out, guys. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a, definitely a fan of anybody that's putting themselves out there and especially getting to listen to you guys often is very inspiring. So cool to hear that initiative. You know, we talk so often about if we're going to make this change, someone's got to raise their hand. Somebody's got to go first. And Elliot, just a fantastic example of doing just that, bringing along and developing a culture and a crew that really reframes the way that we engage with the painful patient. So thanks, Elliot, for all of your incredible efforts. And thank Thanks, everybody, for listening yet again. Make sure you're tracking ISPI, ISPinstitute.com. Keep tracking Tim and I on Twitter. Uh, Join the Pain Reframe Facebook page. Lots of great stuff going on. Thanks, everybody, for being a part of the community. Take care. We'll see you next time. Pain Reframed is brought to you by our sponsor, the International Spine and Pain Institute. Check out their transformative pain science programming at ISPinstitute.com.